Okay, so uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. I've been off some more vacation. Sorry, we only had one pod last week, but uh, we're getting closer to the football season. Just, what, 25 days now until till Oklahoma State kicks off the season. And uh, Colby, good to be with you again. Yeah, it is. Summer is gradually winding down. We're in the uh, the heat of August now and getting closer to football season. So a few more weeks. We've only got a little bit more previewing of the season to do, and then it'll be time to lace them up and hit the field. Absolutely. Uh, if you want to go to chrisuniversityspirit.com and uh, get your cowboy shopping needs done, you can go to chrisuniversityspirit.com. They have plenty of masks. I know we're dealing with the Delta variant. That's going to be a factor going into college football season. We're not out of the woods yet with, with COVID. So they have, they still have those great pistol peep masks you can find. And you, you'll want to wear one of those if you choose to wear a mask to the games. Uh, also, obviously they'll have all the gear that you could possibly want for this upcoming football season, which again, only a few weeks away. So be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com or visit them in Stilly. Uh, Colby, we do have some news today. Uh, the coaches top 25 poll is out. Oklahoma state makes an appearance. I was somewhat surprised. They're ranked number 22 in the country to the coaches, Oklahoma ranked third. And of course, Alabama ranked number one. What do you think about the uh, Cowboys getting some love in the top 25? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's probably about right for Oklahoma state. I think this team will finish the season as a top 25 team. I don't think they've got top 10 written all over them. I don't know. It, it depends on the growth of Spencer Sanders. If we see a big leap, maybe, but I, I just don't really see that being the case. I will say though, uh, another year, another preseason poll, another ranking for Texas that is totally undeserved 19th for Texas. I, I mean, we're saying we've got questions about Oklahoma State, and they're getting some love at 22. Texas at 19 with a new coach, a uh, quarterback that's never taken a snap. Yep, let's just throw them in at 19 just because they've got the horns on the side of their helmet. It's just uh, yearly tradition. Let's just throw Texas in there just because. It's a broken record. And, look, I get it. Once you get to, like, 20, you're kind of just looking for teams to rank at that point. Like, whenever, every time I fill out a top 25 poll, it's once you get to 20, it's like, well, let's just throw in some name schools. And that's – that's the only way Texas makes it to 19 in this poll. I don't, I don't understand it. Maybe coaches just still have a reverence for Texas and that brand. Uh, maybe they're not paying attention to what they've done for the last decade in the Big 12. I don't know. But as far as Oklahoma State, I said surprising because most of the preseason polls I had seen didn't have Oklahoma State in it, which I think is stupid. I just, again, I don't think people are paying attention. When's the last time Oklahoma State wasn't ranked in the top 25? I mean, They've been in the top 25 for 15 years. They have a 15-year streak of winning seasons. I mean, coaches obviously recognize what Mike Gundy's done at Oklahoma State. So I was it's a pleasant surprise, not just an abject shock for me. Yeah, I yeah, I think a little bit of surprise uh is one thing there. I mean, you look at the rest of the Big 12, right? And this fell in line the same way the uh preseason Big 12 voting fell in line. Oklahoma's number three in the coaches poll. They were number one. Picked in the Big 12 by the media. Iowa State's number eight in the country. They were picked number two. Then you drop down to 19 to Texas. They were picked number three. Oklahoma State was picked number four, and they're at 22. So it feels about right. You get a little bit further down. Uh, TCU received votes. If you were to extrapolate it out, uh, TCU, it looks like, would be the 31st-ranked team in the country. Uh, trying to see if any other Big 12 schools even received votes. We're down to West Virginia received four votes to get into the poll, and that's it. Congrats, Big 12. That's uh, – that's it. Not great, Carson. 
Not great from a conference standpoint. No, but they never get preseason love. But You're You're right. Once you get past Oklahoma and Texas, and really I think Oklahoma State, um, the, the, the name brand stuff's not there. The consistency is gone. If Baylor was still rolling, they would obviously be ranked. TCU has been just psychotic so much that I understand why they wouldn't be ranked because you never know what to expect from them. And past that, the rest of the programs have been pretty down. That's really why the Big 12 gets the, the disrespect it gets. It's, just, it's been such a top-heavy league with Oklahoma atop it. And um, so I, I get it, but it, to me, it's, it's, it does seem about right to me. I do have a question, though. How bad would Oklahoma State beat Indiana, who's ranked 17th? Uh, I'm going to say 37 to 18. I don't know how Indiana's going to get to 18, but they'll find a way. I mean, look, they were a nice story up in the Big Ten. Look, I'm, I'm already – it's only August 10th that I'm already triggered by Big Ten schools being ranked in the top 20. It's, just, it's a timely tradition. So, well, Carson, have you seen their research facilities? Oh, I'm sure they're outstanding. They're AAU accredited, I'm sure. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I remember when Indiana played Oklahoma State in the Insight Bowl. I was there, and oh. they looked at Des. Those Indiana players looked at Des Bryant like it was a he was an alien, some some species they'd never discovered in their lives, and they played it like it too. They just got molly whopped by Oklahoma State, and I think that would happen again. And and overall, Colby, I just think Oklahoma State's very underrated coming into this year. The more I, I kind of look at the team bit by bit, part by part, what they have coming back, the more bullish I am on them. I, I really do think that they are a huge dark horse in the Big 12 this year. I think if I had to pick it right now, I would probably pick Oklahoma and Iowa State. But if you check back with me before the uh, game one, you know, my Gundy's four and one against Matt Campbell. I might be picking Oklahoma State to make it to the Big 12 title game. That's how... That's how optimistic I'm being because of just the, the sheer talent they have coming back on defense. If their offense had a pulse last year, they could have won double-digit games and have all these players returning back. Obviously, they lose Taiwan and Chuba, which we'll get to. But with the returning talent on defense and the fact that they had their worst offensive season since Mike Gundy's first year in 2005, I think that was kind of an outlier with new, new offensive coordinator Casey Dunn with COVID and Spencer, I think if he grows up, look out. I, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on, on Oklahoma State this year. I don't know that I actually have the stones to pick them to make the Big 12 championship game, but I'll say this. OU's been number one. They've been on this supreme reign, supreme reign uh, for several years now. Behind OU at one, it has been a revolving door. And whatever we think is going to happen at two isn't what usually happens. And this year, I think everybody's already just placing Iowa State in the championship game, right? I mean, we're just playing it out as just just for fun. We're going to play out the schedule. But I think everyone's just placing Iowa State in Arlington. I don't think it's necessarily going to be that easy. I would have uh, Iowa State two in the conference right now. But I said this a few weeks ago uh, when Big 12 media days were rolling around and the media poll was out. I do think Oklahoma State's the third best team in the conference. I certainly don't think it's Texas. Uh, I'd probably go OU, Iowa State, OSU, TCU, and then Texas. This feels like the kind of year where no one is looking at Gary Patterson, that he's going to come out and they're going to win nine games. And we're going to be looking around thinking, how did they end up being the third or fourth best team in the conference? Uh, I don't see that happening with Texas. I think Texas is the fifth best team in the conference. Uh, I think we're going to look back at the end of the season and realize uh, that maybe winning it does not mean more in Austin. If you catch my drift, <laughs> they haven't done a lot of winning. I know that. I, someone posted the the meme of uh, it says twenty four days away for Kansas football season. They they put a screenshot of the the final score when Kansas beat Texas twenty four twenty one, which is just 
still amazing to think that Kansas beat Texas in football as bad as they've been. So that's kind of where Texas is. Um, you know, this season, Colby, we've talked a lot about it in the lead up to the season that normally in Oklahoma State, the question marks don't revolve around the skill positions, the, the running backs or the wide receivers. It's usually the offensive line, defensive line, secondary, really the whole defense <laughs> and who's going to step up on that side of the ball. But the defense is rock steady. They were awesome last year at times. They, they got beat some, and that's why they, they ultimately lost a few games. But they're going to be the strength of the team. But the receiver position is what I think is what a lot of people were circling as far as someone has to step up at that position. And uh, Brennan Presley, to me, is going to be the guy as far as the number one receiver on this team. But there's a lot of young players looking to step up. And uh, before we get to that, I guess Kyle Boone wrote X-Factor players who could help make OSU great in 2021. And I kind of wanted to go through those. And uh, but before we do, I just want to get your thoughts on Brennan Presley because he's been the talk of camp, rightfully so. He only had one catch in the regular season, then exploded for six grabs, three touchdowns, and over 100 yards against Miami. It appears every time Mike Gundy and Casey Dunn talk about this guy, Colby, they, they're not pulling any punches. They're not trying to downplay anything. They're like, this guy's awesome, and he's going to be awesome for us. Well, yeah, and he's no longer a freshman, which means he can actually we can actually talk about him like he's a real life football player who might be able to get on the field. He is still a that freshman due to COVID. Oh, he is. Okay, so so how's he technically classified? Is he technically classified as a second year freshman, or is he technically classified as a sophomore who still has four years of eligibility? Well, Casey Dunn said he's a freshman. He's in the same boat as people that came in the spring, as far okay. as eligibility, which is crazy okay. to think about. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's awesome to think about if you ask me. I uh, yeah. wouldn't mind having him around for a few more years. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to have a, a big breakout season. I don't think that's going to be a big surprise to anybody. Do I think that he's going to be, uh, you know, like Bolitnikoff, 98 catches, 1,400 yards, 13 touchdowns? Probably not, but I think he's going to have a really good year. I'll, I'll be really curious to see, though, if you ask me today, who is OSU's number one wide receiver on November 20th? I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure my answer would be Brennan Presley. I'm just not, I'm maybe I'm too bullish on Tay Martin. Uh, and I think Brennan Presley is going to be really good, but I'm pretty bullish on Tay Martin just being able to kind of bully people. He certainly has the prototypical size and that's your concern when it comes to Brennan Presley being a number one receiver. But I just, I think football's changed so much. We've seen such number one wide receivers. Just look at the last NFL draft, you know, Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle are tiny. And they were number one receivers at a place like Alabama. But I think the more accurate comparison for, for Presley, and this comparison is going to be made a ton throughout his career, but it, it's an apt one for me, is, is Josh Stewart. Josh Stewart, his sophomore year, had 1,200 yards receiving, seven receiving touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown, eight total. So and then his second year, or his, his last year, he had 700 yards and 10 or sorry, 700 yards and three touchdowns, kind of a down year for his final year. But he was awesome in 2012 as an undersized number one wide receiver. That's, I think this day and age in football, you can certainly have that. But tell me why you're so bullish on Tay Martin. We only really saw him, I guess, same with Brendan Presley. We only really saw him for the bowl game. But I, I've always kind of liked his measurables. But what makes you think he'll, he'll go ahead and be the number one guy? Yeah, his quarterback is what makes me think that, Carson. What is, 
What has Spencer Sanders done for two years? He's got a, a star stud outside receiver that he looks at to be able to beat people one-on-one. And I, I think that quarterbacks, you know, we look at this in the NFL. It's like Phillip Rivers. Everywhere he went, what's Phillip Rivers do? He checks it down to the running backs. His running backs have triple-digit reception seasons almost, it feels like. Uh, what do other guys do? What's Jameis Winston do? He throws bombs. You want to run deep if you're, if you're playing on Jameis Winston's offense. Quarterbacks have in their DNA, like, set places that they look, set places that they throw. It's just second nature to them to go to some position. Some quarterbacks like to throw to tight ends. Some don't. Some don't use the middle of the field very much. We haven't seen Spencer Sanders use the middle of the field a ton, and it, it's going to defend a, depend a lot on formations, where Brennan Presley lines up, where Tay Martin lines up. But I think that Spencer Sanders is going to be looking to Tay Martin on the outside to win a lot of those one-on-one battles that Tylen Wallace was able to win with Spencer Sanders. And the measurables for Tay Martin, look, I, I, don't, get, uh, I don't get totally lost in the measurables, but he can absolutely just physically beat people. Now, I think Brendan Presley can do the same thing with speed and quickness, quick quick change of direction, stuff like that. But Tay Martin can beat you with speed. He can beat you with size. Um, I know we haven't seen a ton from him, but I kind of felt all year last year like he was the guy in waiting behind Tylen. So I think at the end of the season, it could be 1A and 1B. But count me in the camp that thinks that Tay Martin might be a star this year. Well, one reason for your argument, too, is just – it's readily apparent that that position in the offense is always going to be a focal point because you're right. He slid right in there for Tylen and got virtually the same amount of targets Tylen would get throughout a, you know, a full half of football. And so you're, you're not wrong. I just, I just think that with Tylen gone, they're going to try and spread the field out. And in Casey Dunn had a press conference, I think on Monday, and it was just music to my ears, Colby. Just, I was just like standing up and like doing a slow clap is he basically said, you know, with the way the injuries happened to Spencer early on, the way the offensive line was playing, they just tried to, to bunch things up, play tight, and not screw things up for the defense who were keeping them in games. And he said, we're going to be way more wide open, spread out, and we're going to have to spread it around more with all these new guys coming in. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a position where Brennan Presley is really going to thrive, is the slot position going over the middle on those, those drag routes we, we saw for so many years with you know, guys like, uh, you know, Josh Cooper, for instance, or even a, a Dylan Stoner, guys like the, that were playing out of the slot. So, um, so I, I'm bullish on Presley, but man, I think they, they have a chance to be a, a great one-two punch at receiver, which is, is certainly exciting. So that's a huge storyline in camp. And I did want to get to the X factors that Kyle Boone wrote about. Uh, number one guy we haven't talked about a lot is Trace Ford. You know, he tore his ACL late in the year and Gundy says he's quote, doing well. And the expectation is he'll play this season, but talk about an X factor, Colby. I mean, if they can get Trace Ford back to any semblance of what he was playing like at the end of last year, well, this defense just jumps up a whole nother notch than, than we were really planning on. Yeah, it was so disappointing to see him go down in a game that was over and meant nothing at the end of the year last year. And, you know, you knew it was a torn ACL as soon as he was walking off the field. I mean, we've we've all watched football long enough. We've, we've known long enough what happens uh, when a guy tears an ACL. But guys are bouncing back quicker. I don't know, man. He's young. He's in good shape. He's an absolute monster. I don't know. I think he can bounce back and still be an impact player early. Um, some guys are, are different than others. And I think that's what makes him the number one X factor is that we don't know if he's going to be the same Trace Ford. If he is the same Trace Ford or, you know, uh, watch out rest of the Big 12, if he's a better, better, a better Trace Ford, then yeah, he's a huge X factor for Oklahoma State because he makes Brock Purdy really uncomfortable. He makes Casey Thompson really uncomfortable. 
Uh, nobody makes Spencer Rattler uncomfortable because he's got five Mack trucks in front of him. But if you can make Brock Purdy and Casey Thompson uncomfortable, you might be able to make your way to Arlington. Yeah, he, he's shown an innate and really an elite ability just to make plays on the football, whether that's rushing the quarterback. Gosh, we saw him drop into coverage and make an interception like a defensive back. He really is kind of a, a hybrid jack-of-all-trades. And I, I'm by no means a medical expert. I just kind of watch what history has told me. And history has told me that people have made far quicker recoveries from ACL than they used to even just five years ago. You factor that in, you factor in his age, how quickly he would likely come back from a torn ACL. Uh, I expect him to play this year. And now I think they're going to bring him along slowly. I don't think there's any reason for him to play before Big 12 play or even maybe in the meat of that schedule when they play Iowa State and Texas. Uh, that would be my expectation. But, but Kyle Poon makes a great point. He says if he's at full health, Ford is the most impactful defender on a top three defense in the Big 12. That's, that's why he's number one. And if they could get him back earlier in the season for some of the uh, a couple of the cupcake games early, it'd be really good just to get his legs under him. Because I think one thing we know, we, we've heard a lot of athletes talk about coming back from these type of injuries and how it takes a little while to trust it. It takes a little while to trust that you can do what you used to be able to do on the surgically repaired knee. Man, if you could run him out there against Tulsa and let him get some reps, that would be so, so good. I don't know that that's going to happen, uh, but I just – I'd hate to throw him out there for the first time against Iowa State or for the first time against Texas and hope that he's 100% because you're not in game shape at that point, might not have full trust on the knee at that point. So I think it'd be really good to see him get a game, get some game reps in a game that you know you're going to win, if at all possible. Now, we don't live in a perfect world. If he's not ready to go until Texas week, then he's not ready to go until Texas week, and you throw him out there and hope he's a stud. But hopefully we get to see him play uh, against some weaker competition first to get his legs under him. Yeah, that'd be great. Number two, these are guys that I'm, I just, I just love. I, I've been waiting for these guys to, to come through ever since they were signed. It's the twins, Bryson and Blaine Green. You know, Oklahoma State's got the twin thing going, man. They got twins and they've had twin, so many twins over the years, whether it's football, basketball, you name it. Just uh, the, Colby, these guys are highly touted. They both come from an absolute powerhouse in Allen, Allen, Texas. Uh, Bryson was a four-star prospect by 247. Blaine was a three-star. It's kind of similar to the, the Tylen and, and, and Trace and Wallace. They were, they were very similar style recruits. And I just think, you know, the Oklahoma State gets dinged a lot for the recruiting, and you and I have been, been right there at the forefront. But what they have done is they've signed some high-level four-stars on offense, like a Tylen Wallace who comes immediately to mind. And they've hit on them. They've been good players. You know, Des Bryant comes to mind over the years. And I think these guys fit the bill, particularly Bryson Green. And uh, they're, they're apparently generating a lot of buzz in camp. Yeah, Oklahoma State, Carson, is the Noah's Ark of college football. We'll take two of everything. If you've got two, <laughs> bring them on the ark, and we'll make it work. Uh, it was Tylen and Trayson. Now it's Bryson and Blaine. And then it'll be uh, Taylor and, gosh, what is Taylor's brother's name? The Shetron twins out of uh, Edmond. So, yeah, like the o Noah's Ark of college football. And it's <laughs> – I'd be lying to sit here and tell you that I know exactly which one of these guys is going to be an impact player this week, uh, this season, but that's kind of the fun in it, isn't it? Whenever you get new guys in, new freshmen in, they're supposed to be really good, but you don't know a ton about them yet. I, I don't know. It's just, I'll say this. I would expect, no, just from the history of Oklahoma State football, I would expect us to sit here in late November, early December, and think to ourselves, Man, Bryson and Blaine looked really talented, but they didn't get a ton of opportunities, not a ton of touches for those guys this year. 
And I don't know if that's the right move or the wrong move because I'm not a practice. I don't know how good these guys are. But am I crazy to think that way, Carson? Because it seems like every time there's a really highly touted true freshman that walks in the door, we hype them up in July and August, and then we just don't see a ton of them for the next three months. I don't know. I, I disagree with that because do you remember how loaded, and I mean loaded, Oklahoma State was at receiver when Tylen Wallace came in as a true freshman and was making one-handed catches and was just like – you were just raising your eyebrows like, whoa. So I think – and that was with an absolutely loaded, you know, upper class laden receiving core. That, that was with Tylen, Tylen Johnson, and uh, pardon me, Tyron Johnson and James Washington, and James Washington and Dylan Stoner, and yeah. and and uh, Jalen McCleskey. Like, yeah. I mean, they they had some dudes now at receiver, and Tylen forced his way on the field. He was that he was that good. So I think the opportunity is is way more out in front of the the the, uh, the, the Twins this year with how much uh, remaining how many catches are really up for grabs you know i looked it up last night i think only like they only have like 458 somewhere around there returning receiving yards on the entire team coming back they've lost virtually all their pass catchers and 200 of that was in the bowl game from from two guys tay martin and brennan presley that they've lost virtually all of their production at in, in receiving so huge opportunity for them i can't wait to watch them play i think they're i think they're gonna play a lot colby i do i think i think a lot of guys are gonna play and they're gonna figure out who really wants it and who really is gonna make plays on on saturdays and i think Jaden bray is certainly another guy that could that could play along with the green the green twins because bray made up a lot of big plays in the spring game and i he he fits the bill physically like a tay martin so there's a lot of questions at the receiver position but i i, I like the green twins a whole lot Number four, uh, Caleb Etienne, the offensive tackle. We've discussed him before. The, the, the man mountain that is Caleb Etienne at six foot seven offensive tackle, which they haven't had a lot of tackles that size. They've kind of had Colby, a lot of guys that can kind of interchange positions from guard to tackle. They haven't had just a mammoth tackle in a while, and I, I can't wait to watch him. Oh, dude, I've been seeing some of these videos come out of Caleb Etienne, and it's not, they're not even doing anything. It's not even blocking drills or anything. He's just like moving his feet. Just, just quick moving his feet. I saw him pushing the sled the other day in a video on Twitter. I, I want to watch Caleb Etienne. I know that it's, uh, it, it's not exactly sexy to, to talk about an offensive tackle and wanting to watch an offensive tackle go to work. But with what Oklahoma State's dealt with on the offensive line, if Caleb Etienne has the skill to match the size, he will be an anchor for Oklahoma State's offensive line. And this is coming after Oklahoma State lost a first-round draft pick in the NFL off of an O-line that wasn't that great. So Oklahoma State needs somebody to anchor this line, and I'm hoping it's Caleb Etienne because uh, six foot seven, big dude, about the size of a house is what Josh Sills said. So <laughs> hopefully the skill matches the size. Well, with Sills coming back, and hopefully the skills match the size with Etienne. I, I again, this is why I'm I'm a little I'm this is why I'm so bullish on OSU this year. I think a lot of the problems they had last year. They've kind of remedied on the offensive line. I think those guys coming back, there's no way it could be as bad as it was injury-wise, I hope, knock on wood. Uh, I just think they, they kind of had some things really go against them last year. And when you're in the moment, you just you want no excuses and you want results. But I think looking back, I think I think OSU's going to be surprising people this year. And I think I think Etienne could be a huge factor in that. And of course, number five is Tay Martin, guy you've talked a lot about. Kyle Boone says he was one of the first inhabitants on Tay Martin Island. Says the weather is great here. Forecast unbelievable. Possible chance of a thousand yards receiving in the future. So it sounds like you and him are on the same page. Yeah, it does. It. Uh, I mean, he brings up 
some of the concerns, 15 catches last season, but I don't know, man. Last season, Tylen and Stoner were eating up a lot of the targets. Even when Tylen went out, Stoner had the big game uh, where he had seemed like 200 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, I know it wasn't quite that, but I don't have it in front of me. I think Tay Martin fills that role this year, so uh, I'm very bullish on it. So Boone and myself are pretty much lockstep on that one. I think we'll be looking at Tay Martin at the end of the season and thinking, man, that's just another guy. Oklahoma State just keeps putting dudes on the outside. Like you said, the offense lends itself to that. So I'm a Tay Martin guy. Yep, I can't wait to watch him. He switched to number one, too. Just oh, shout, yeah. out to, shout out to Dez. He's got to throw up, the, throw up the X after his first touchdown. This is a guy we haven't mentioned on the podcast yet. You know, there, every year there's there's young players coming up the ranks. They, they've bided their time. Uh, Mason Cobb at linebacker is, is, sort, is certainly one of those guys. He's a sophomore now. He's apparently turned some heads. And, you know, Kyle Boone puts him at number six on his, his X-Factors. You know, he's, there's Devin Harper, who's in his sixth season at Oklahoma State, which is amazing. You got Malcolm Rodriguez, of course, coming back. But uh, he's pretty high on this Mason Cobb, who who should get a lot of playing time. And I think he's one of those kind of hybrid linebacker safety types that, that Jim Knowles likes so much. And uh, clearly he's, he's well-liked for, for Boone to put him number six. Yeah, if I'm remembering right, he was a high three-star coming out of Utah that Oklahoma State landed, and he was supposed to be uh, kind of an impact player, came in, and kind of, as, as happens, haven't heard a lot from him yet. But he seems like a guy that should pop. He, he was billed uh, as a fast linebacker who can pretty much uh, get around the entire field and be almost, uh, I mean, Boone says here, a hybrid linebacker safety. I don't know enough about him to go quite to that level. But even in the modern Big 12, some of these offenses that you face, you might need a little bit smaller linebacker, guy that can get sideline to sideline a little easier. And I, I think that we shouldn't overlook, we talk about losing Tylen and Chuba and Rodarius. I don't think we should overlook the loss of Amen Ogbong Bamiga, who was really an anchor for Oklahoma State's defense. I think he was one of the leaders. Uh, and he was on the all-name team in college football. So Mason Cobb doesn't quite fill the all-name role that Amen Ogbong Bamiga took up in the middle of Oklahoma State's defense. You nailed the name, though. Amen Ogbong Bamiga. Amen Ogbong Bamiga. That. It's funny once you once you get it right once it kind of just rolls off the tongue. I'm gonna miss saying that over the years. That was a lot of fun. But you're right. I mean, Cobb to me is almost a carbon copy of Malcolm Rodriguez, just kind of a hybrid safety linebacker type. And once he gets in the body by glass system for multiple years, he's just gonna turn into a linebacker. I think he's already kind of on that trajectory. And I kind of I just kind of trust Jim Knowles. You know, he and I got off to a rough start when I was up in the Tulsa press box and they were getting just lit up by Tulsa. And ever since that, that day, he's really turned around a, a defense that's always been a question mark. So I, uh, I'm really high on him and, and Cobb as well. So the last number seven on the X factor list from Kyle Boone, who again does a great job is I think this is the most important question on the entire team, Colby, besides, you know, we talked about the receivers or certainly questions at running back, um, you know, but I think this is the biggest question for the Oklahoma state season is there's a battle brewing for the starting quarterback spot opposite of Jarek Bernard Converse. And they've got Christian Holmes there. He has the experience. They've got Corey Black. They've got Jabbar Muhammad. I think it might be a case, Colby, where they just throw all three of those guys out there throughout the season. Whoever, you know, plays the best, grades out the best, the one that's going to start. I think, I think it's going to be kind of a battle going all the way through the season. Yeah, I think we feel pretty confident with uh, Jarek Bernard Converse on his side. Losing Rodarius is a big deal. He's been turning heads at Giants camp. I can, I still cannot believe that he was a sixth-round pick in the NFL. The, the, Crazy. 
the tape just doesn't dictate that. I understand the size and speed are, isn't what some of the other guys were above him, but he is so, so good in coverage, has great ball skills. So I, I was surprised to see that, and he's already making plays. But as far as CB2 goes, I think we all kind of know that in modern college football, it's not just about one and two at the corner position. Nickel and dime, you're running way more corners out there. Uh, quarter defense, you're running way more corners out there than just two. So I think Christian Holmes will play. I think Corey Black will play. I think Jabbar Muhammad will play. I do think that Christian Holmes will be the starting corner, corner opposite Jark Bernard Converse. I think we've just seen uh, in Gundy's tenure that the, the veterans usually get the nod whenever all other things are equal because you've got the experience. Christian Holmes has played in big-time stadiums. He's played in big-time games. He knows what it means to go out in the fourth quarter with a game on the line and try to lock your guy up on the other side. So if I had to guess, I'd say it's probably Christian Holmes at CB2, but all of these guys are going to get run this year, and you never know what's going to happen with injuries on that side of the ball. So I would expect to see all of those guys uh, rotate in, and whenever you have three, four, uh, five defensive backs on the field at a time, we'll see, we'll see all those guys at once, uh, I'm sure more than a few times throughout the season. Yeah, for sure. And I think once we get closer to kickoff, we're going to kind of know who's who's won that job. Certainly once they kick off, we'll obviously know. But I think we'll kind of we'll have a much better feel for it here in the next couple of weeks because fall camp really is just, just now getting going. So there's plenty of time for those position battles to play out. Colby, since I've been gone, the uh, the conference realignment talk has kind of died down a bit. It was, it was hot and heavy, but now it's it's kind of cooled off just a tad. But there is an article on The Athletic. It mentions, and this is on the Daily Bullets at Pistols Firing if you want to check it out, it mentions that Baylor, Texas Tech, and TCU, the Texas schools, are looking out for each other and trying to be good partners for their fellow remaining conference members, but they're also communicating frequently with Oklahoma State, a source said, which is not surprising, but does lead to an interesting question. What if the Pac-12 decides it's better off pursuing a deal with just these Big 12 schools? And I don't know how you feel about it, Colby, but I just – the scheduling alliance sounds great, but basically what you're doing, and I, I assume you'll you'll make money off the deal, but you're basically just throwing the Pac-12 a bone and they're leeching off your central time zone to just to help themselves. And you're really just kind of using a bucket and, and dipping dipping all the water that's leaking onto the boat and just trying to throw it overboard as quick as you can. I, I would be much more apt if I was Oklahoma State to do this deal where I take the Texas schools with me and, and jump ship. Yeah, I don't know about the uh, the scheduling arrangement. It just seems like a desperate attempt to keep together what you've got. And I don't really know. I mean, look, I think if any of these remaining schools in the Big 12 have a chance to jump to one of the other four conferences, I think they're going to jump. I think you'd be crazy not to because the last thing you want to do is be the last one out of the room because you want to make sure that everything's taken care of uh, back where you are in the Big 12. Don't be the last ones out of the room. If – I'm just waiting every day. I hope that I get a notification that Oklahoma State is headed to either the Pac-12 or the Big Ten. Uh, Big Ten's probably a little bit longer shot with the academic stuff. I actually had a good conversation on Twitter last week uh, with a guy named Chris Jones, who was basically messaging me about the uh, academic stuff in the Big Ten and about what happens with uh, that money. I mean, the government brings in so much money. The Big Ten football contract is about a billion dollars. The Big Ten Academic Alliance brings in about $11 billion a year. So kind of put in perspective for me, you know, I'm, I'm very much wired to look at it through my sports brain, through my football brain, but the Big Ten does have a lot of money that comes in with academics and research. I actually heard an interesting theory over the weekend from my old buddy Chisholm Holland that I worked with uh, at the franchise and is still there and does a great job. 
He said that he could see a realistic path to Oklahoma State going independent for two to three years and trying to bolster their academics and then applying for membership in the Big Ten if maybe they had some sort of handshake agreement with the Big Ten that if you can get your academics up, we'll let you in in a couple of years. Is that – I hadn't thought about that. Is that something you thought of or heard about? And what would you think about Oklahoma State – playing the long game with the Big Ten and going independent while they bolster their academics and try to get that AAU accreditation? Well, I just I don't see how they can go independent and survive without the TV money. I mean, who, yeah. who what, what TV companies paying Oklahoma State individually as an independent? They're not Notre – only Notre Dame and a select few schools like BYU have a huge, you know, Mormon population and following. I just – I don't – I don't see that as a possibility, strictly just from a financial thing. I would love it from football. You can schedule whoever the heck you want. And go go play a really good schedule and try to get in the playoff that way. I love I love the idea. I just don't see the practicality of it as far as like they're making $39 million from, from Fox with this big 12 deal that's about to go away. How do you replace that as an independent? Yeah. That would be that would be my question. Does uh, did Boone Pickens have a TV network that we don't know about that he left Oklahoma State it in the will? Sure, would have been, been nice. nice. I tell you, it would have been nice having him around for all this stuff. Oh God, what, what would he have said to Oklahoma about the SEC? He might have gotten Oklahoma State in the SEC, frankly, with how good he is in boardrooms. Honestly, if Boone were still around, he would have bought Oklahoma State into the Big Ten. He'd have gone to the Big Ten grass, <laughs> and he would have absolutely bought Oklahoma State's way into the conference. So cut a $150 million check and just oh, say, yeah. here you go. Yeah, Boone was the man. And then on the side, he'd have given all the decision makers just $10 million personal money as a gift. Just, oh, just because. Good. I mean, hey, money, big money rules the world, and Boone knew how it worked. Uh, Boone was the man. So may he rest yeah. in peace at Carson Creek. No kidding. Uh, I, have, I have talked to a lot of people over the last week or so about this, and what I've kind of gathered, Colby, is as much as you and I want to just pack our bags this second and go to the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or literally anywhere else besides the Big 12, I think this is going to take a long time. I think it, I think it's not going to be this season. It might not even be next, which I'm, I'm convinced that Oklahoma and Texas want to go next year. But I just – I think the conferences are still trying to figure out what's going on. I think all the schools in the Big 12 is kind of the, the gist of what I've learned talking to a, a ton of different people. I just – I don't see anything happening anytime soon. So I think this question of what's going to happen to the remaining schools, what's going to happen to the remaining conferences is not something that's going to be sorted out anytime soon, which I'm antsy. I got my bags packed for, you know, the, the mountain time zone or certainly the Big Ten. I've got my land-grant university T-shirt all, all printed and ready to go, but I don't know. That's just kind of the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, we need to have a game this year where it's an orange out, and they put T-shirts on every seat in Boone Pickens Stadium for whatever the most televised game will be this year, uh, probably Bedlam. Put, put seats on every chair that say, uh, we do high-level research here. And just plaster it on TVs for everyone around the country to see. That way everybody knows, hey, we're researching some things. We got some agricultural stuff going on. Y'all want to figure out how to grow things in droughts and all this stuff as the, uh, as the earth heats up? Let us know. We'll figure it out down here in Stillwater. Make your case. Oh, I'm just – oh, I want the Big Ten so bad. I want to go beat up on Indiana so bad. I can just feel oh, it. How they, would immediately, they would immediately be in the top ten in that conference. I have no doubts. 
I legitimately wish that Oklahoma State played Indiana this year in the non-conference. Be, oh. Just be just because they're ranked ahead of Oklahoma State in the coaches' poll. I'd like to play Indiana in Bloomington this year in the non-conference and just beat them by three touchdowns and then walk out the door and say, uh, all right, enjoy your Big Ten conference schedule. Have fun winning eight games in conference after we just beat the brakes off you on your home field. Well, how about this? How about we scrap all the non-conference games they have scheduled, including Alabama or whoever else, just schedule Michigan, Indiana, Nebraska, Penn Minnesota, State. Penn State. Give me all big. Give me all the Big Ten schools. Beat the brakes off them and say, "Hey, look, your schools aren't very good. You need us in your conference to bring you know a good football program into it." So that's that's one idea I hadn't thought about. Yeah, just uh, just don't schedule Ohio State. Don't do that. Don't want to no, do no, that. No, 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 no. We don't want that smoke. Nope. I noticed you left them off the list. But yeah, Michigan, Nebraska, <laughs> Penn State, Indiana, Iowa, in. I'm so in on these teams. Uh, it would be like, you remember when OU played Army with the Kyler Murray team and Army just tried to stay on the field for about 50 minutes of the game so that they could <laughs> stay in it? That's what it would be like whenever Oklahoma State played the majority of these Big Ten schools. Oh, I'm here for it. I would love to go up to the big house and they would they look at a shotgun formation and be like, oh my God, what are they doing? The forward pass? You kidding me? Oh, I need it. Wait, they've got how many receivers on the field? Where yeah, are all the you can't do ends? this. I mean, really think about it. Like Ohio State's like the only team that even runs the spread in that conference. It's just okay. Uh, so, so here we go, Carson. You remember last year Oklahoma State goes into Bedlam, worst game plan ever, played the whole game in a phone booth and just got wrecked. Mm-hmm. That strategy is the strategy that Big Ten offenses employ every single week. Oh yeah, no doubt. It was the Big Ten offense going yes. up against Oklahoma. Yes, I was they like, ran- my buddy woke up this morning, watched an Indiana game, and brought it to Bedlam. They ran the Iowa offense Iowa uh, they're in the Hawkeye offense how does Iowa State keep losing to them in the non-con Iowa State I don't not lose to Iowa this year oh I'm gonna be pissed if Iowa State loses that game again oh please once in your lives Iowa State just beat Iowa like put some respect on the Big 12's name for once in your lives oh okay basketball news MJ Rice headed to Kansas he was on OSU was on his list what's next for Oklahoma State uh, they, what's next is a host of five stars is what, uh, is what Mike Boynton has on his list. They've appeared on the top lists of Shaden Sharp, Pop Isaacs, Aiden Shaw, Alonzo Billups, Kadir Copeland, and Bryce Lindsey. All those guys are five or four stars. Copeland and Lindsey are three stars. So they did miss out on a big name going to Kansas, which kind of surprises me, Colby, given all the issues Kansas has going on. Yeah, it, uh, I mean, it doesn't totally surprise me. We know Kansas basketball can recruit, but still, what I love about what Mike Boynton's doing and Oklahoma State basketball is doing, their name is in the hat for so many guys. I mean, I'm scrolling Twitter. It seems like every other day, seeing a top five, top six list for a four or five star recruit, and uh, it's got Oklahoma State on it. I saw one the other day. Um, it was Oklahoma State, Kentucky, Kansas, Arizona, and the G League. Those were the top five. <laughs> I saw that too. I'm like Mike Boynton has put Oklahoma State on the same level recruiting for college basketball as Kentucky, Kansas, and the G League. That's good stuff. I saw that too, and it just kind of made me stop and think about what Mike Boynton's done from the day he was hired to where we are now, where guys have Oklahoma State on their graphic next to G League. Like <laughs> that blows my mind how far he's come in recruiting, and that just shows you the yeah. cachet he has now on the recruiting trail with what he did with Cade Cunningham. It really is paying dividends and. I think we're going to look back, Colby, five, ten years from now and just think, man, what a what a flag plant moment that was for Mike Boynton 
with getting Cade Cunningham, taking him to the tournament, him being the number one overall pick, because it it seems as if it's just changed everything. Yeah, I mean, it has changed everything. And, and we thought, I don't know, a year ago at this time, it was all pre-Cade. The, the sanctions were coming down, which, by the way, NCAA, NCAA, I know you're dealing with some things. I know name, image, and likeness is going on, and we're trying to build super conferences and phase you out entirely. But can we get a ruling on the, the postseason ban and the probation? I mean, can we get a ruling? Whatever it is, can we just can you just let us know? Uh, it's been, what, 13, 14 months now since the original ruling was made and the appeal was filed, so uh, that's a joke. But a year ago at this time, we didn't know. A year ago at this time, Carson, we were saying, this was an actual conversation we were having, this is the year where we find out whether Mike Boynton's the guy. If he can't do anything this year with Cade, then we know he's not the guy. I mean, and now we're looking at him like, okay, hope he's here for the next 40 years. It's just, it's unbelievable how far the program's come in a year, and Cade's a big part of that. Uh, watching him in the summer league the other night was fun. I, I can't wait to watch him in the NBA. I'm going to have to get league pass so I can watch some more Pistons basketball. Yeah, I'm not real fired about watching the Pistons, but I will tune in to Cade, that's for sure. Yes. Uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State did land Quion Williams, a three-star in basketball. He was the number 14th player in Texas, 172 national. So they got another solid recruit to kind of replace some of their upperclassmen that could test the uh, NBA waters. So that, it, that was one bit of news we, we missed. Uh, one more thing before we get out of here, Colby. Uh, did you have anything else before we move on? I don't believe so. Okay, I had something else, but it just slipped my mind. So uh, let's see here. What was it? It was always oh, John Smith. He uh, called the Olympics and was a smash hit. He was doing some of the commentary at the Olympics. And I believe it was his birthday today. I think I saw that on social media today. But I just wanted to make a note that it's kind of crazy. And we just kind of like have been so used to it over the years that John Smith is the coach of Oklahoma state. This is essentially like, let's say the sport of basketball. This is like having magic Johnson as your favorite college coach, as your, as, co as your coach of your college team or a Michael Jordan, someone of that ilk, you know, a top, one of the best to ever lace up a pair of wrestling shoes is the coach at Oklahoma state, which, you know, we, we all know the program that is OSU wrestling. It's a behemoth. It's, it's a monster. But I, I just think we kind of overlook this guy's a worldwide phenomenon in the sport of wrestling. He, his name carries so much weight, and it's kind of cool, Colby, to just take a step back and go, wow, yeah, like like they literally have like Larry Bird is the coach of Hoshi Wrestling. You know what I'm trying to say? Like one of the all-time greats. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It's uh, The wrestling program is unbelievable. I just – I really want more AJ Ferrari and I want Oklahoma state back competing for team titles. I hope that that's in the near future because I mean, we talk about the big 10, big 10 does academics well and the big 10 does wrestling. Well, Iowa and Penn state have turned into absolute machines and Oklahoma state still got it rolling, but that team national title has been elusive lately. So uh, hoping that that comes back around. Yep. They've been, they've been getting closer, but you're right. They haven't, they haven't really been in true contention to, to win the team title in quite some time. And for the record, John Smith turned 56 yesterday. He says, quote, I'm 56 and stronger than an ox. I would definitely agree with that. I would not want to, I would not want to step on the mat with John Smith at age 56. So I Here, here's my question. Here's my question. If you, me, and let's say three to five of our active listeners right now that are about our size got on the mat with John Smith, would it take him over or under a minute to pin all six of us? 
Oh, under. I mean, it, it would look like one of those Bruce Lee movies where there's 10 guys around him. He just kicks them all in the head and they're all laying down on the ground. It'd be, I would be tied in about four knots. You'd be tied in three or four and we would be, he'd probably like hog tie us all together. Kind of like he does cattle in his spare time. So it, it would be ugly. Yeah. I would if, I ever no walk, chance. if I ever walk past him in Stillwater, I make sure to like social distance and stay six feet away. Cause I'm afraid if I accidentally bump into him, my body might just pretzel itself. <laughs> Yeah, I, it would. And, you know, I have had some family, I've had a couple of cousins that were, were mat maids at Oklahoma state and one of them married an OSU wrestler. So I've been kind of, I've been around John and he's just, he's just salt to the earth. Just one of the coolest dudes you'll ever yeah. meet. And I'm just really happy to still have him as the head coach at Oklahoma state and hopefully he can get that elusive title and uh, wanted to wish him a happy birthday. So Colby, it's been enjoyable. Glad to be back at it. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you later this week. Absolutely. Who knows what will happen between now and then. It's been a weird offseason so far. Go Bokes.